Oi, oi. Welcome in. We're up to episode 11. One and one. That makes 11. You're in. And I hope you've enjoyed the previous 10. If you're joining in for the first time, this is Two Dudes, Two Discs. Where two dudes pick two discs and have a bit of a natter about it. It's all right, actually, isn't it? I'm one of the dudes. My name's Liam. Um, I- I've spoken for too long already. So I'm going to introduce you to my fellow dude. They call him Mr. Craig. How are you, Craig? Hello. I am very well, and I am looking forward to speaking about some music. Yes. Yeah, it's, it's, yeah, yeah. I don't I know why that, you're saying this. Yeah, I know. That was like the bare minimum, wasn't it? <laughs> yes, yes. Yeah, no, I am as well. I've, I've, been, uh, I've been chomping at the bit for this. Uh, so, yeah, I, I, I really enjoyed the last record and it's like yes let's let's get on with this now yeah um and i and i hope our listeners have enjoyed the uh the last episode i think it was one of our best ones i think we're getting better and better but that's just me being big-headed um and enough, <laughs> enough about me let's get on and talk about some music so um can i just say we're can gonna, we not can we not can get we, it on we just talk about music that's all right i'm yeah, a married man <laughs> Yeah, all right. I'm going to stop hitting on Craig, um, and, and we're going to we're going to talk about the first album, um, which was my pick for Craig, um, and this was uh, Muse's Simulation Theory, um, a a strange album, um, and I picked it for you because because there's there's no doubt about it. Muse are one of the biggest bands on the planet. They have been for quite some time now. Mm. Um, but Simulation Theory is a bit of a strange album, a bit of a fun album, and it's one I think that may have passed your radar when it came out, so hence me throwing it your way. Uh, so what did you think of it, sir? Yeah, it definitely is a, it's a very strange record, <laughs> and it's certainly one I didn't listen to. Um, in fact, I, I've not really listened to Muse for quite some time, and that's not because I, I kind of really went off them. It's just one of those, they were one of those bands that you kind of, I followed for a few years and then kind of lost interest in, and then just yeah, they, moved away. I, I, t- I totally get that. I mean, they they they're sort of ever present in the rock world and in the music world, um, but I haven't been excited for a Muse album for a very very long time. Um, but this, yeah, this 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 uh, this got me excited when I heard yeah. the idea behind it. So. What, what, what your interest, your right? Yeah, it did. It definitely piqued me interest. And um, yeah, what, what, what? How did you make it? You make um, it? So yeah, it, it's well. I'll, I'll just start by saying like it's it's a very kind of typical Muse album in the terms of their prog pop, but it's all presented through this retro futuristic lens. So we've got lots of kind of synths. We've got like uh, synthetic snares and toms and stuff like that. And um, it's it's very kind of eighties. <laughs> In Both places. Very 80s. <laughs> yeah, so it starts off with the song Algorithm, which is this kind of synth wave, 80s inspired, plodding, atmospheric track uh, that gradually builds in layers uh, to become this dramatic crescendo with the signature of muse elements. You know, you kind of got your piano arpeggios, you got arpeggios, sorry, piano arpeggios, I'm trying to speak properly. <laughs> uh, there's multi part harmony vocals from Matt, you know, um, it just kind of becomes pompous and overblown which is when muse are really at their best um yeah. so it kind of it, like i said it's, it's a slow build and uh it becomes a muse song by the end of it um and, and that's you know that's that's the perfect kind of thing for muse you don't want muse to be down to earth and have like subdued emotions and things like that you want muse to be kind of ridiculous and uh it kind of really takes a while to get to that point but then when it arrives you're like oh, okay here we are you know you want to put your glittery suit on you want to put your tin foil hat and you want to ride a spaceship fueled with the power of conspiracy theory thoughts 
straight to the fucking moon when you listen to a Muse album. You know, you don't want to be staring at your shoes. So, yeah, it, it, it kind of ramps up to that point. Uh, those kind of synth touches that I mentioned, and the 80s aesthetic, it's, it's all over the record. Um, so in terms of Muse's back catalogue, it gives it a very unique identity. Uh, yeah. it's, it's, it really kind of ties everything together in, in a way. But, you know, the, the question is, like, it's, it's a very strange turn. Does that mean it's any good? <laughs> so yeah. <laughs> I, have, I have personal gripes with the record. Um, so this is, you know, speaking not objectively, I guess. Um, but is that the right word? I don't know. But who cares? It's like, I loved some of Muse's earlier records because there was some brilliant guitar work on there. It was like really inventive and full of loads of really chuggy, epic riffs, which was quite surprising for a pop band. Um, and there's still interesting sounds being made with the guitar here, but there isn't any really big riffs that kind of sit along with the likes of like Newborn or Hysteria or Knights of Sidonia, you know. It, like in Babies, my, my one. Yeah, that kind of, that was, yeah, that, that I guess guitar histronics. Yeah. They've really kind of, on this record at least, um, stepped down the kind of flair of the guitar and things like that. It doesn't take center stage. And I'm not sure if that's because of the theme of the record, this 80s kind of uh, approach. Um, you would think actually with the 80s it would be over all over the place and like loads of shredding. But what I mean by that is, you know, it's, it's definitely in the kind of synth territory <laughs> rather than the hair metal shred kind of territory. Um, and, and as such, maybe there's no place for those kind of things to kind of uh, exist without detracting from the songs. Um, but, you know, maybe that they just didn't gel with the overall vision. But it's something that I really felt missing from the experience. And like I said, that's kind of just what I usually used to take away from Muse. Uh, also, Matt Bellamy, and I don't know if this is kind of a recurring theme in some of his albums, but certainly I, <laughs> on singles I've heard before, he likes to try out a Prince impression. And <laughs> that appears yeah, on does. this album, yeah, with the song Propaganda. <laughs> and I really could leave these moments. I, I'm really not fussed. And uh, it's always the same. It's, it's, it's kind of the high pitched vocal tying into some sort of a theme about love, but also with touches of kind of like, uh, well, in case of supermassive black hole, you know, <laughs> science, or in this case, <laughs> propaganda. Um, it, it's just a weird juxtaposition, and I just don't understand it. Um, but also, I, I don't kind of... It doesn't give me a, a, a kind of... I, I don't like it, <laughs> is what I'm trying to say. I'm, I'm not fussed in any way, shape, or form about those moments, but uh, he, he seems to bring it out every now and then, and I guess that's just... You just have to accept that that's part of their songwriting now. <laughs> so, okay. Um, you know, but the plus side is that that theme, like I mentioned, it, it just ties everything in in a really kind of unique way, but it also allows it to have some unexpected touches to the way that, um, you know, the songs are made up. You know, there's some elements that you wouldn't necessarily expect that come into the mix. Like uh, for a song, Get Up and Fight, that has like a female vocal which wouldn't sound out of place on like a dance track, uh, like a really happy 90s dance track. And it really works, though, because it's, it's put amongst this kind of almost walking bass line, uh, which builds into a really huge epic chorus. And it's, it, it's just strange, but it kind of really works. Um, and also there's, there's synth pads in the song Something Human, which really give it a, like a light and airy vibe. And yeah, uh, yeah it, it, it just kind of... I guess the theme has allowed them to explore some other kind of sonic ideas that just kind of add in little touches here and there. So 
from like I said, the personal mode, there's the rocking riffs that are missing, uh, but it does bring into these other elements which make it a kind of unique listen. And, you know, aside from the riffs, the other Muse elements are, are present correct. You know, you've got Dominic who's doing his drumming, which is superly epic and kind of matches the uh, the drama of certain songs. The build-up is never overplayed. Uh, Chris's bass lines are always interesting. Uh, they're never just root notes plodding along. There's always kind of little flares and stuff. And the moments where he rips up the fretboard are few and far between on this album. Um, you know, I'm thinking like moments like Hysteria and things like that. Um, he does get moments to shine, though. Like I said, it, um, in the aforementioned Get Up and Fight, he has that walking bass line, which kind of yeah. just feels a bit... It's a nice touch. Uh, and the vocals from Matt are still these semi-operatic, ridiculous melodies you know, that, that you expect from a Muse album. Um, he's hitting some really high notes, you know, and I dread to think how he's reaching those heights, you know, possibly through some methodical abuse of his testicles, which, if that is the case... Props must go out to the recording engineers because they've managed to edit out the snapping of the mousetrap on his extremities. You know, they're really good. <laughs> or, or it could be he's just really good at hitting high notes. I don't know. Um, the song structures as well here. You know, it's the typical Muse um, kind of stuff. You're talking about rock and pop formats of first bridge chorus. Uh, alternating with harmonic minor scales and more unusual chord progressions that give it that kind of proggy feel. So, yeah, it's it's an interesting record. It's pleasant enough to listen to, and it's a nice change. Um, it does, like I say, have that mi bit missing that I love, which is the, the riffs uh, in a Muse album. Um, those guitar-heavy moments of melodrama are just not in this album whatsoever. So it's it's not going to be on my regular rotation, but it's certainly a, a, an interesting experience. So, yeah, yeah, it was a, it was a good listen. And it's the experience of this record, which is what I, one of the reasons I, want, I wanted to, to recommend it, because this came out and it, and it was really quite polarizing with a lot of people just poo-pooing it off straight away, like, this is terrible, this is really, really shocking. But I think you, you've got to embrace the, the silly, you've got to embrace the theme. Um, Muse are not a straightforward band anyway, but now they, now they have gone even more bonkers to a degree. I mean... You know, retro and, and 80s are, are a big thing at the moment. They have been for a, for a couple of years. You know, there's if you look at the artwork for this, it was designed by the same people that did Stranger Things. Yes. Um, and that's not the only sort of similarity. So there is, there's a lot of sort of Stranger Things sort of uh, vibe with the synth uh, going through the record. I mean, some you know some people get to a certain age and they, they crave nostalgia. So, you know, you, you you know you collect toys that you had in the past. You you know you rewatch old movies. I suppose when you're a you know a millionaire rock band you can create a, a record that sounds like you listen to um and if this is a midlife crisis record then then you know fair play fair facts mm. yeah you know they could just get it out there yeah i mean i mean you put props to the muse because they they do still experiment and you'd think like a band that big would rely on a kind of safe bet and yeah. they don't seem to do that and, and it doesn't always work i mean the dubstep guitar on the second law um it's just i don't know it's, it's a bit weird yeah. it's, it's not good <laughs> but it was you know i don't think it was something that really kind of ruined the sound it was just one track but at the same time it shows that they're willing to kind of do something unusual yeah uh madness again is this kind yeah. of weird poppy song that was everywhere and you could say, oh, they're softening up, but it actually felt more like they were just trying to branch out. And this is very much yeah. the kind of same vein. Like they've used this kind of 
vision or, or kind of, I don't want to, I want to say aesthetic because it's in the, you know, clearly in the cover, it's all 80s and it's all that mindset of this is how the album is going to look, feel, and it's very cohesive in that fact. So I think that, you know, yeah, it's, it's, it's still very good that they're not just churning out record after record about fucking stars. <laughs> which, which they, they could do. do. Which they could do. You know, they are a band which could fill in, fill out and sell Wembley Stadium night after night after night could headline any festival you know be it be it download which they've done be it glastonbury be it Reading. They, they could do anything they want um you know with, with the with the record before this they went a, a little bit more heavier rock you know with things like psycho and they, they headlined download they, they chose download rather than reading and glastonbury on that run because they wanted that sort of rock more rock feel this is a completely other feel you know they are experimenting they're not just churning out another another record that's going to go to number one that's going to sell x amount of tickets it's going to you know do all this and that's I, I like the weirdness of this record. I like I like Dig Down. I think that's a, that's a really that's a really cool song. Thought Contagion is just bonkers. Um, again, it's it's all on the fucking conspiracy theory side and and, and relates to how how this sort of false false news and false ideology can consume people. You know, Matt has got his tin tin foil hat on for a lot of this. Pressure's pretty cool. I mean, I know it's not it's not riffing. From you know, music's back catalog, but it can still. Did, did you see the video to Pressure? Because fuck me, <laughs> I can't remember. If I did. Is that the <laughs> one so, so the video to Pressure is basically Matt again. I, I say this whole um, midlife crisis thing. So he's he looks just like Marty McFly in the this high school dance part of Back to the Future. So he's got like the this pretty much the same outfit, pulling all the same OTT moves, um, while some rabid hamsters attack and kill people uh say and, and terry crews saves the day because why the fuck not um you yeah always count on terry crews man <laughs> fucking yeah you know he's there uh i i you mentioned it earlier some, some something human i i really like something human it, it kind of feels like you need to take a drive down a coast road in a convertible 80s car yeah with with the roof down it it it, it feels like a summer holiday song um, that you would just have have looped over your over over you in, in the sun and yeah and rock, rock doesn't normally do that that is it's more of a pop pop sort of uh, a pop vibe and and, and I really like that oh yeah it's it's just uh, it's it's this is not a 10 out of 10 banger after banger this is not a appreciate muse for all the technical skill this is just it's bonkers, but it's fun. It's and yeah. that that that's that's why I like it, and the fact that it pissed a load of people off as well, I like it even more. <laughs> um, yeah. So, gotta, gotta annoy your fans every now and then. <laughs> absolutely, absolutely. So, in the uh, in the last episode, we brought in a new scoring system, which was hate it, appreciate it, or like it. So, what 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 do you do, Craig? Where where, where do you rate this one? Yeah, this is difficult. Um, I'm going to go with appreciate it. And the reason for that is that, like I said, from a personal stance, I, I don't hear the big riffs that I want to hear with Muse. And uh, that was kind of something that I, I was craving. And uh, So, yeah, it's not going to be something that's on regular ro rotation, but there were still some cool moments, like um, the guitar riff, and I say riff in here, it's not a distorted metal riff, it's kind of a clean awkward sounding riff along the lines of like hyper music or something like that which is in um oh what's the name of it break it to me um that is interesting and it was one of the few moments where i was like oh okay they can still do this kind of weird guitar that. stuff but yeah it just it's it was a nice solid record that i kind of dig in places and it was pleasant enough to listen to i put it in the car and had a drive around <laughs> um 
But like I said, whether it would be something that I would go back to, I'm not entirely sure that it is that. So yeah, appreciate it. It's it's a unique entry into their catalog. Uh, it's not quite reinvigorated my love of Muse, and uh, yeah, it just uh, I'd say experience it for the weirdness, but. Yeah. I don't know if it's going to be anyone's kind of favourite if they've never listened to Muse before. I, I haven't listened to this since, since it, it came out before I recommended it, but this, this, this record was always on my list of, of albums to pick for you. I, and, <laughs> and since going back and, and listening, I, 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 I sit somewhere between appreciate and like, and I think I'd aim more towards like just because I like the silliness and I like the polarising nation of it. I'd love to have seen it live. Um, the live. The live show just looks fucking nuts, you mm. know. Sparkly outfits, sunglasses, giant fucking robots. Why? Why not? Um, yeah, I, I think this would be a beer in the air, have a bit of fun, um, and so yeah, that's, that's that's why I like it. I just I think it's silly, and I and I like and I like silly, but it's it's not a br- it's it's not a brilliant music album because you know this band are, f- are so full of great, you know, they're they're three incredible musicians, and mm. it's. If, if you're gonna, you would not give this to someone. To say, ah, you want to check out Muse for the first time? There you go. Um, it's it's not it's not that record. But yeah, I, I like I like it for for probably all the wrong reasons. But hey, <laughs> that's it, probably it's fine. And and if you had to pick a song for a playlist, which one would you go for? I'd go with Gap and Fight. Yeah, yeah, that's a cool song. Yeah, just because like there is a distorted guitar in the chorus. It's I mean it's playing chords, but it's pretty heavy. But also, like I said, that that juxtaposition between that and the uh, the female dance vocal sample it, it just kind of has a real uniqueness to it so yeah get up and fight what about yourself cool. dude uh do you know what just because of the bonkiness of the video i'd, I'd say pressure <laughs> just, just, <laughs> it's, it's just nuts and i like it for that reason so yeah <laughs> there we go simulation theory by muse um yeah it I'd like to say go and listen to it. Just go, go and ex- just stick it, stick it on if you're if you're in a car. If you if you just want something to to check out, it's just just silly. Um, so we come to that part of the show where it is if if we had a jingle, we'd play that jingle now uh, because it, it's dear dudes time. Um, it's the part of the show where we ask questions or we ask you to ask us questions, which normally you don't reply to because you've obviously got way more sense <laughs> than we've got. So we, we fish out questions and you give us responses and then we read them out. Uh, so it, it works quite well. Um, <laughs> one of the questions I put out uh, a little while ago now was uh, about Download Festival and, and one of the big news uh, events, if I can call it that, since we last uh, recorded was the, the cancellation of Download Festival for this summer. Uh, following many other festivals uh, over the week, over the summer, it's it's being pulled. Bloodstock's still going ahead though, mm. uh, at the moment. Um, but obviously, that's that's more later summer. The the earlier the earlier ones have been pulled. So I asked, uh, who do you want to headline Download Festival that has never done it before? Uh, so before I read out, well, let me re- let me read out the uh, the comments I got back. Then I'll and then I'll head to you, Mr. Craig, and see what you've got. Sure. Uh, so. Uh, Dean Palmer, uh, DJ Scoundrel, he came back with uh, Ghost, Bring Me the Horizon, and Five Finger Death Punch, and, and Dying Fetus. <laughs> um, but I why think not Dying Fetus? <laughs> dying Fetus, why not Dying Fetus? Um, but yeah, three three really great picks there, and Dying Fetus. Um, <laughs> nothing, that sounded really bad. Nothing against Dying Fetus. Nothing I, against I don't know, mate, for Dying Fetus. You know, they're the wrong one to fuck with. Yeah, they're wrong, they probably are. Um... <laughs> 
And I, I, when the whole thing of, of why no dying fetus became a meme, they they stuck them on the main stage to download that. Yeah, they were they were good. I I, I checked them out. <laughs> um, yeah, moving on. Um, <laughs> Because it'll be cancel Liam because he doesn't like dying fetus. I don't. I, I do like dying fetus. Anyway, moving on. Stuart Taylor put Parkway Drive. They've done Bloodstock. They've headlined the second stage download. I think they are not far away from uh, a headline. A headline said uh, bringing the fucking fire and everything. So good on Parkway Drive. Um, Emma went with Ghost, Five Finger, and Volbeat. Um, Volbeat headlined European festivals a lot, but they've never really made it in the UK. Mm. Um, I'd like, I like. I really like the band, um, but it just doesn't seem that the UK has embraced them as, as much as Europe have. Um, I, I could maybe see them on a second stage headliner, maybe if, if they get a big album. I, I maybe can't see them on the the top grand scheme. Um, and then Carl Gaston came back with Trivium and Killswitch Engage. Um, let's be realistic. Trivium, I would. I think we all love to see it. I think if, if it did happen, it would be a moment. I think that they were on a, a trajectory at some point. Um, to, to be the, the gods and the, and the golden kids to do it next. Then shit happened. Um, <laughs> uh, and, and they did take a, a downward spiral, but they are, they are building themselves back up now. They are, I think they're on arena level now. And if, if they did get the, the core to do it, I think that would be a proper like people's champion sort of, yeah, go for it. Kill switch. I, I can't see it ever happening. Um, again, I think they were down for the second stage headline slot on one of the re, ramped lineups from either 2020 or 2021 um which again is a good spot for them i think i think as much uh, as i love kill switch engage i i i don't think they've got the same pull as they had on the uh the back of the uh, end of hiring album i think that it's kind of peaked um and then dropped and, and, off and then and then dropped and then sort of st- settled a little bit hasn't it yeah yeah because um, Je- jesse's return um i can't think of the album that the, the first jesse album back D- disarmed the descent uh, mate that was fu- that was fucking brilliant that was so yeah. so good they still turn um, out some decent i mean i wasn't a huge fan of the last one but uh, they still turn out decent records. It's just the fact that yeah. that that whole metalcore it's, moment has changed it's just it's, it's changed hasn't it mm. Um, and and again on the on the last one there there were there were moments of like yes stick this in the life set and it's gonna go fucking down, uh, but it, it never sort of moved them upwards. Um, do you know what I I could see them going down really well at Bloodstock one year uh, either yeah. sub headlining or, or or whether or not they got a got a headline set by Bloodstock. I think I think that would be a good show. Um, so before before I give you mine, have you had a thought about you if if you could pick three bands that have never headline download festival for who, who would you go for Who's three bands so i mean ghost would definitely be yeah. uh, a good shout i reckon 100 and, and i don't think it's long until they do um depending on the next album cycle i'd love devin, devin townsend <laughs> of course he would <laughs> because and i know he's headlining bloodstock um with a great heavy set which i really wish i was going to go see um I'd, I'd love him to do some bonkers stuff but the problem is that <laughs> his bonkers stuff is not headline material <laughs> so if he carried on with the Devin Townsend project he might have done that because they were getting stupidly kind of uh, not stupidly a lot of traction behind them um, but you know he doesn't do things uh, easily are no. Dev <laughs> so there's two and I've oh god I've got to think about the third one you know because um, all the big decent bands that I want to see are kind of Bands that have been around for a while now, and uh, I'm trying to think. I'm not cool enough to know of any kind of 
newer bands that could possibly do it. I don't know, maybe like, I don't know, something like Periphery might be an interesting shout. But again, cool. I think it's still too niche for to really kind of carry that. Um, so in place of that, let me say, hmm, let's have a little wee think. This is something I probably should have thought about before the podcast. <laughs> oh, well, I don't get paid for this, so <laughs> you'll have to wait. Oh, God. Don't know. I have no idea. So cool. come back to me. <laughs> uh, well, do you know, do you know what? Five Finger Death Punch are a no, great show. You know so what? Go on. Bring me the horizon, go. definitely, actually. I know uh, it was said before, and I can totally see it actually thinking about it now. Yeah. I, so, yeah. I th- I think I think bring me a ready. Um, I think that with when ammo dropped, I think there was a bit like oh if they get the push on ammo. Mm, it nice since the, since the last EP mini album whatever you call it like fuck me just stick stick that band a headline slide on the on the Saturday at Dynamo. Yes, uh, yeah, I, I'm all up for that. I, I get the five finger. They are stupidly popular. Um, they have the singles. They have not had a strong album, uh, in my opinion, since the first one, and that was even weak. Uh, but I, it, they are mentally, mentally, mentally popular. Um, you know, so I, I could see it, but it's not something I would want. Uh, but I could see it happening. Ghost is is the one. I think I think Ghost are a, a great show um, because you're going to get the theatrics and, and an idea like would be they should have booked them in 2022 because there's an album coming. They should have booked it as the only UK show. So you've got to wait for download to, to have this grand spectacle. And I think that they've really missed a trick with that. But, you know, COVID is fucked with the business and the business model up. And there's probably agreements all in place. Blah, 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 blah. We don't need to talk about that. But I think Ghost have to be the one. I'd be really happy for Bring Me if they, if they, if they get the pill next. But my other two. Okay, so picture this. It's a beautiful Sonny Donington. I can smell a it controversial does ha- it opinion does happen. coming. Just, just picture it. You've been drinking since midday. You are absolutely on party planet. And out strums John Bon Jovi with an acoustic guitar and a cowboy hat on for Wanted Dead or Alive. Bon Jovi have never headlined Download Festival. Just imagine the crowd, <laughs> man, singing those songs back. Like, ah, uh, I know they technically did Monster of Rock, but we're talking about Download Festival. I bring Richie Sambora back into the fold. Dick Bond, Bon Jovi, man, that would just be, ah, oh, what a what a great show. Failing that, get the Chad Meister up there, Nickelback to headline <laughs> down that festival. Um, the internet would fall apart. The internet would absolutely, it would actually break the internet. Um, but again, beer in hand. Look at this photograph. <laughs> um, yeah, I'm, I, I'm, yeah. Give, oh, give me that. <laughs> I don't know about that. I mean, <laughs> no. Well, I, I, it's not, I'm not knocking the quality of Nickelback. What I'm saying <laughs> is that the, the, with Nickelback, it's like the meme precedes the band now. So people yeah. who have never heard Nickelback will go like, Nickelback, they're the worst band in the world. <laughs> and uh, I just think that out <laughs> of crowd was notoriously um, <laughs> just download. down as a download. It may fans, not yeah. be so well received. Yeah. I'm just saying, but um, <laughs> yeah. Just, just an idea as well. Other bands that have not headlined Download Festival, Foo Fighters, 
Green Day. Yeah. Blink-182. Never done Download Festival. Um, I think that's a good shite and a good case for, for Paramore as well at some point being with a, cause a female-fronted band has never headlined uh, Download Festival. Could they be the ones to do that? Uh, but I think they'd probably be the more Reading. Yeah, I was going to say they're a bit too poppy now, aren't they? Bit too, I think, I think so. Unless, unless they did Riot in full. Then. They're never going to do that because be, they never play Misery never, Business anymore. They don't do Misery Business anymore, do they? Yeah, it's sexist, no, bro. No. Yeah, I know, right. Anyway, well, there we go. That 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 uh, that went somewhere. Um, another question uh, we actually had to us as a dear dudes man uh, was from Mr. Dave Godden. Uh, he he said, "What is the best comedy rock stroke metal band, and why is it always Tenacious D?" It's Rick. not. <laughs> it's not. It's Psycho Stick. <laughs> I'm deadly serious. <laughs> Man, I watched Psycho Stick at um, a festival they played down here, actually. And it was like one of their only live performances in the UK. They don't come over here often. And it was so fun. Like, I just, I smiled from ear to ear. All <laughs> bloody set. It was fantastic. And also, I remember they did an encore. And to do the encore, they went off stage. And by that, I mean they hid behind their amplifiers. <laughs> I just love, love it. I love it, yeah. It was yeah. kind of like, um, and and there, I think they had some sort of friendly kind of um, banter with Evil Scarecrow. Um, They're good fun. Yeah, they are good fun. I, I, good I fun. do like that. Um, <laughs> I like a band that's self-aware. Um, yeah. And with Evil Scarecrow as well, the, the I can't remember the song or the album itself, but I think it's called Rise, and it's this typical metal shout of rise but the <laughs> lyrics that precede it are always kind of really self-doubting it's like i don't know maybe we should rise should we rise are you sure we should rise i guess it's rise. it's it's cool i like that but psycho stick man i just they've been so good at this for ages they they churn out these pretty decent riffs as well man um and they're really talented musicians but they're also like really funny i mean it's it's in some ways it's americanized so uh, tenacious d still fall into the same trap as well when some of the talks some of the topics they talk about you know we're talking boobs and getting laid and stuff but they are really fun <laughs> i just I, I haven't had as much fun watching a metal band for quite some time so they were fantastic Good. Yes. Cool. Do you have cool. a, a differing opinion of that? Yeah. Well, just a shout out to Evil Scarecrow because I, I, I hadn't thought of them for an answer to this. Um, but just they are, they are fucking so funny. So they opened for Wednesday 13 on Halloween, which is just fucking worlds colliding. <laughs> um, and they, they said they had pyro. And by pyro, they had a party popper which didn't even pop, <laughs> which wasn't planned. It just was a shit party popper <laughs> from a Poundland bag. Um, before the bass player then went and did the conga with everyone through the crowd, just just ludicrously nuts and brilliant. Um, but I mean, my my I've got I've got two answers for this. My my number one answer is um, is Steel Panther. So I know that I know the joke is is old now i know the joke has probably run its run its time uh, but feel the steel is is a brilliant rock album it's it's bonkers it's stupid it's cringeworthy um and the millennials would get it cancelled in a fucking heartbeat uh, but when it came out, it was just like it was so it's so stupid. It's brilliant, mm. and the thing is, they they can play. They can play so so well because they've been playing on the scene for such a long time. You know, they've been playing covers uh, for such a long time. And yes, they are just a, a, 
a pastiche of hair metal uh but it's it's just great fun and even though the music that they've turned out has really been not up to scratch for the last couple of records if you went and saw steel panther on a night out you're gonna have so much fun because you're gonna get a comedy routine in between the in between the songs as well and so yeah steel panther is my my answer but also um 30 seconds to Mars because they're just a fucking joke. Oh. <laughs> uh, so that would be, you know, that would be another answer to that question. Oh, man, I just... <laughs> it's, it's... it's How do I phrase it? So when they played the, Download, that. oh, it was just so cringy. And I don't know why it was, but it was the fact that they... Because they had fucking cult leader. Oh, they had his own introduction, which they were not the headliner. So that was a very strange uh, arrangement. But it was also the, um, the the him calling out someone about not singing along at our show next to the chicken stand, and it's like, I can't see no chicken stand, dude. No. <laughs> uh, no. It's just I just I maybe it maybe I couldn't see it, but it was just it felt really kind of Odd. forced and yeah yeah. But there's a story about that set, um, and and I've had this I've had this I've heard this from a, from a few people now, so uh, I know it's not just one of these tall tales that. <laughs> They wouldn't. They refused to wear their their backstage passes to get past security because they they felt that Jared Leto felt that he should not be stopped. Oh, uh, that man. people should know he was. So they had posters um, dotted around the backstage area saying, "Do not stop these people or anyone that are with them." Um, so they were ferrying in like fans of certain ages, apparently, and, and it's just a bit weird and getting really dicky with anyone with their cross circle paths. Um, yeah. It's just a dick, and and they they have their own festival on that on an island where you can spend thousands and thousands of euros to go and and watch a week long sets of thirty seconds to Mars and go crafting with thirty seconds to Mars and be spiritual and do yoga with thirty seconds to Mars. It's a f- I know they had that whole saying of this is a cult. Yes, it fucking is, and he will have you killing people at some man. Yet yeah, it just it's just creepy. Um, there, there's yeah, only one band. I didn't plan to go off on that. That's, <laughs> I'm sorry. that's fine. Slight libel uh, aside. <laughs> yeah. There's only one band that has a po- has a cult that I'm aware of, um, and and that is uh, I'm not in a cult uh, led by Poppy. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I'm all for that cult, man. <laughs> We're all part of the cult of Poppy now. Cult this, of Poppy, this, man. This this, uh, this podcast is is full up to the Poppy. Yeah subscription system we, we endorse poppy yeah no a side note as well a, a band that i forgot and i don't know if you would class them as comedy really but they are kind of funny and ridiculous in an overblown way and that's guar guar yes yeah 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 yeah, yeah man yeah uh, yeah i've been listening yeah, to a, a little bit of guar recently i don't know <laughs> how this got on my radar and and it was the new album as well and i was like i'm really digging this um cool so uh yeah, maybe we'll revisit that, but um, yeah. I do wish I could have seen them live with Dave Brocky or Odorous uh, Ungerous. I caught them a download one, yeah. Um, so I know it wasn't the full the full set, mm. um, but they ripped the Queen apart because <laughs> of course that's they what did. they're doing spilt shots and blood over it. It's just fucking bonkers. Everything that you'd expect it to be. Um, I, d- I don't know. Like they they they've got a lot of humour. It's same as like. I don't know, Lord, Lordy are a little bit more serious than that. I don't think they're, they're trying to be funny. Um, yeah, I don't... I don't, I don't I, yeah, those two are just a bit... Yeah, I think... Just monsters. Well, I, I think, yeah, I think with Guar, the fact is that they are... 
aliens from outer space who have come to kill all humans. Kill. <laughs> That's why they kill people on stage. It's part of the, yes. the act. You know, it's not just yeah. a shock. It's literally because that's this is, this the premise. Is what they're doing. Yeah, yeah. So it's 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 something memorable. And, and Lordy, I think, uh, yeah, I wouldn't class them as, as kind of comedy, but very aware of the gimmick. Um, yes. Oh, and and play and play up to it. Yeah, which you should because um, you need yeah. you need a show, man. And then like you need a show. If 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 Lordy came out with like sneakers on <laughs> and just like baggy jeans, exactly. No, you wouldn't want that. No, 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 no. no. You want them beheading their roadies. It's just, it's just what they do. Um, but also, I, I, again, my, my brain's ticking along. Uh, one of the funniest bands that I've seen that always put a smile on my face, but not necessarily aiming at being a funny band, are Bowling for Soup. Um, oh, yeah. Honestly, like, I, if, if, I can't recommend seeing Bowling for Soup live enough because it is literally the most fun night you, or fun half hour at a festival or whatever you're going to have. You will not stop smiling from, from ear to ear because you will know the songs. They are just naturally funny and stupid on stage. Um, but again, I don't think they they don't intend to be that. They've just embraced that over the years. And it just, yeah, I think Jar- Jared is just a naturally trying to be a funny person. They they have it down to like such an art as well. I've, I've seen them Perfect. and they stop the song to tail some sort of joke or point something out in the crowd and <laughs> pick the song right back up seamlessly. Yeah. Now, that, you know, in a comedy routine, that's hard enough to do with one person, but, but if you've got like four other people... Four of you. Yeah, it's it's really good. It's a really a good skill. And, and my, They do beer break and photo opportunity time as well sometimes. Yeah. So they stop, again, they stop the song and they go and grab a beer and they just pose like on the end of the stage, mm. or, like each end of the stage, and then they get their instruments back together and then like straight back into it. Like just... One of my best friends is, is a massive Bowling for Soup fan. And um, like what I used to do whenever there was a band that she liked, I used to just like say I hate them. <laughs> and, and like just because it got under her skin. So it was chronic. And uh, we, we saw Bowling for Soup and, uh, and I was like, no, actually, that's pretty good. Fucking <laughs> like, brilliant. I, I, yeah. I, I kind of smiled and, and I kind of let the guard down. And it was fine. You know? So yeah, they're, they're that yeah. good. So yeah, definitely recommended it. Yeah, that again, like if if you think about first first gig back after lockdown, and that that would be a great shout because that mm. would be really fun. And they are touring the UK. Uh, this podcast is not paid for, is not in, is not given any sort of money, but um, they are they're doing a seaside um, tour, like they're doing a UK tour of seaside towns, which is fucking. Of course they are. Um, so they're like playing like places like Blackpool and Bournemouth and things like that. So go and have a summer holiday uh, at the coast with Bowling for Soup, um, and yeah. Bowling for Soup, if you want to send us any money for that endorsement, feel yeah, free. Yeah, or, or tickets or whatever. Episode. I mean, anywhere. Like, I haven't been to Weston or Brighton in a while. So, yeah, if you're yeah. playing those places, send us a ticket. <laughs> you know there'll be a picture of, the, I, I say the fat dude, like, but Chris and Jarrett are probably the same sort of size now. You know there'll be a picture of one of them on a donkey just going up the beach or something. Just, it has to be. It's like just the too, <laughs> just too good to, like, not have. Yeah, everyone on a donkey. Um, <laughs> everyone on a donkey. Yeah, come on, guys. Hit, anyway. hit us up. We can advertise to literally tens of people. <laughs> People, <laughs> why would you not want that exposure? Maybe less. Um, <laughs> so, I, um, when, when just around this uh, this section, of, I, I, I'm actually going to ask you a question, Mr. Craig. Oh Christ! As a dear dude, it is Easter and all. Dear dude, mini eggs, mini eggs, or, mini eggs, mini eggs or cream egg? What, what would you prefer? <laughs> mini eggs or cream eggs? Um, <laughs> <laughs> oh, this is this is difficult. All right, I have to say it's not. It's really not difficult. No, it is, and I'll tell you why. So I'm going to say cream egg. Oh! No, hold on. Hear me out. Because with a cream egg, I usually have one. 
Okay, I, I buy a With cream a egg, egg, I eat that cream egg, and I'm like, okay, I can't have any more, I haven't I'm got done. any more. Mini I'm eggs, yeah. I'll smash a whole fucking bag. It, yeah, you it's will, like, and another it's like bag, crack. and another bag. <laughs> fucking is. Yeah. I'm, 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 I, oh man, mini eggs. Like, it's the best thing about Easter, like, praise Jesus for mini eggs. Like, I'm, I'm, I actually swear that they only sell them at this time of year because they are so fucking addictive. They, like, lace them with <laughs> cocaine or something. So, like, give me all the mini eggs. And then they just disappear and you go cold turkey for 12 months until you catch just after Christmas. One shop has a little yellow packet sticking out. And you're like, oh, well, f- I've just got over my addiction of mini eggs and I'm going to fucking smash another bag. Hey, they are just god tier chocolate. See, uh, there's me 100%. thinking that I was thinking that my teeth were getting rotten by the chocolate, but it turns out that it's just the withdrawal that I'm grinding it's my teeth to bits. Just, it's just a withdrawal from the drugs. That's all it is. Um, <laughs> and 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 I, yeah, yeah, mini eggs, hundred percent, hundred percent over a cream egg. See, yeah, if if I had million times, if I was able to eat mini eggs without any kind of detrimental effect, <laughs> then yes. <laughs> Like just crush up them fucking shells and snort them up. That's that's, that's this. What I this is why eggs. I don't do drugs because I've got no self control, man. I can't have one biscuit. I have to have the whole fucking bag. So if you imagine me on like crack or PCP or some shit. Fucking jump to me. Do you remember like like there used to be an advert of like the mini? There was like a big fucking purple chicken bird thing. I did. I'm, I I have not just made this so. One thing I had for, like Easter as a kid, and I don't know why I remember this. So I had this big fucking mini eggs, chicken purple bird thing, and you would put the mini eggs into it, and then you would press it, and it would lay it out. But it was blatantly just shitting out the <laughs> mini eggs, and you would just pour the mini eggs into its mouth, and you'd like to get one mini egg out of it. But no, you'd be like, lay me a fucking another egg. <laughs> yeah. So it was like, it was a thing. I'm sure it was. I, have you had too yeah. many mini eggs? Is that what it is? This is it. You have too many mini eggs and you start chasing the purple fucking chicken. <laughs> um, yeah. I think we should move this on to back music again, shouldn't we? Because uh, be you an recommended idea. me. A, <laughs> this is why you tune in for it. Um, you recommended me an album to listen to by uh, an artist that some people may have never heard of. Only kidding. <laughs> this is one of the biggest fucking musicians and, and artists ever. Grace the Earth. Uh, so, Craig, why did you recommend to me Black Star by David Barry? Ah, so yes, I recommended this because uh, it is a very unusual album, even by David Bowie's standards. Um, the Finn White Duke here is going into uh, territories of art rock, experimental kind of jazz sounds, and, and all sorts of weird stuff. And there's the inescapable thing that this is the last album that he recorded before his death. And it has the question of, did he know? And how much of this record is alluding to that? And that's a big topic. Um, That's why I said last week, this is an album that I I feel was recorded by a literal ghost. There is so many kind of nods here that, uh, you know, let's let's talk about it. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. Um, And and without knocking the music i think that is the biggest talking point from this record is the the nods and the did he know because this this was recorded in quite quite secretively um by all accounts uh, in new york city between a couple of studios um with with local jazz musicians because this is not a rock album this is not i i did not know what to expect because with david barry's previous stuff it was always a bit eccentric. It was always a bit, always, there was always an art to it. There was always a story to tell. Um, 
So I knew it wasn't going to be a straightforward rock album, but what I didn't expect was a lot of jazz and a lot of sort of somber beats, but with the with the uh, with the narrative potentially of what was going on in his life, it kind of makes sense. So he was suffering with with liver cancer whilst recording and writing this this record, which he kept uh, by all accounts away from not only the public eye, uh, but from the musicians uh, for a very long time whilst he was recording this, um, and I think I, I, I stumbled across a, like a like a quote from one of the musicians that were in the recording studio. They they had no idea, you know, he was working so hard that you would not know that he he was ill. Um, this came out on January the eighth, twenty sixteen, and he died two days later. Um, again, keeping his illness from the public eye. I I think he knew. I th- I th- I think that this could have been slated for a certain time but i think that he wanted it uh, to be released around this sort of time uh producer and good friend tony visconti um described it as a parting gift to his fans from 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 david um yeah i i i don't want to slag the music off and and that's because i i like let me just go back to the music a moment because this is not a rock album i repeat that it's not a rock album so this is influenced by jazz and electro and hip-hop so barry and, and visconti were listening to kendrick lamar's to pimp a butterfly while working on this and you kind of do see little bits of hip-hop among, among some of the songs um they deliberately set out not to record a rock album um which it, i don't know maybe it's just me it, it, this is an art piece this is an art piece with jazz. So there was, uh, let me just find my notes here. Um, there was two songs which were already written, re- recorded and released, and they were re-recorded for these sessions. Um, one of them was Sue, uh, and the other one was Tis a Pity She Was a Whore. Uh, the latter really gives you feelings of being in a jazz bar, a really smoky jazz bar. So it, it's held together by some very sort of simple jazz beat, and, and there, there's, a horn, there's a horn instrument, and... I can't. I, can't, I couldn't quite put my finger on, on what it was. I think I'm pretty sure this is a music podcast after all. That I should know. It's sort of a trumpet going on, but I I, I don't know. I, I thought there was a bit of sax in there as well. But it, it's sort of just very simple jazz influenced. But Bowie's vocal over the top gives you this really haunting element um, and holds everything together. Again, it it wasn't. It was not an easy listen, knowing that what happened and what he was going through and and the music doesn't make it instantly accessible but again i don't know if that's me being a rock more of a rock orientated person because i i really really struggled with this craig really struggled and it's not because i i think it's terrible i just really really struggled to listen through it so yeah with Um, with sue it i definitely think it's not an easy song to listen to um because there's two versions of it on the black star album it is more of kind of a jazz rock kind of feel so you've got a guitar on there it's playing the beats and there's like break beat drum that just constantly cycles and it's almost like the melody the vocal melody is not in the same key (laughs) it kind of ghostly flaunts it it kind of haunts it 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 floats over everything that's going on and it's hard to pair it down i kind of thought it was a mess when i first listened to it like a real mess and like kind of thinking they've just rushed this out to get it out amongst <laughs> the time that he passed away or, or we're always coming to the end but the more you, I, 
you go back and listen to it a few times, you realise how intentional that was. And again, going with everything that was going on. Yeah. That that hauntingness just sews it together. So, we, yeah, it, and you've got to kind of... With that song, it's almost like it's an extension of the character he's singing as. So it's about, you know, trying to look after... Uh, the object of your affection, finding that they actually have a dark secret, and uh, it sounds like in the in the song murdering that person. So it's unhinged, and it, the music reflects that, and that's why I kind of love it. And also, like I would go as far to say it's actually surprisingly heavy. Like it's not a distorted guitar, but it's kind of relentless, and it darts around. It's the music is it, it it resolves around this tritone, um, which is kind of the devil's. Uh, interval and, and stuff like that and it just gives it this really weird almost hard to pin down tonality and yeah I, I love it for that reason because it's so strange and, <laughs> and a bit bizarre yeah yeah it, it, it is really 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 fucking bizarre um so the title track black star i i'm gonna get this out of the way now the first, the first part of so this is nine minutes and fifty eight seconds long, which was intended to be a single as well, which I think they did chop down a little bit because they were concerned about um, Spotify not picking it up for playlists and shit because it was so long, which is mental to think about if you're saying that about a David Barry song. Um, so when it starts off, you get this really warbly weird vocal um singing the looks in the in the village of of ramen stands a solitary stand a solitary candle ah now to begin with this kind of sounds like if south park were taking the piss out of a goth band um or like you know oh like it just it just sounds so like like a piss take basically like the only thing i can say of it but then it, it changes it changes around the sort of four minute mark and goes into this sort of again this out of worldly jazz jazz bar vibe, and it's just picks up a, a a bit more bit more energy to it. It goes into this look of I'm a black star. I'm not a I'm not a film I'm not a film star, um, and it, and it kind of feels like David saying I'm me, and and a and a final and, and what I took from it was I'm not all these things. I'm not all these things, and this is my time to tell you. That I'm that I'm not all of this, and maybe that was just my interpretation. Apparently, um, the where it is in the villa of Rama as well. There is, is the name of the village that his partner came from in Norway. So again, it, it pulls it back to like a, a, like a real personal message. Um, but again, like literally from from track one, I really did struggle with this. Mm. I really like really did struggle with this um dollar days is one that really stood out um i really like dollar days this was probably my favorite song on the on the record uh so there's a real sort of cool piano intro to it um again it it goes into this jazz sort of jazz bar vibe uh with some really cool sax on it um and it's it's not it's it doesn't it's it's not rock but it it goes a bit it, it, it gives a bit a bit more pace um, and there were some really interesting lyrics in this as well, um, which was don't don't believe for just one second. I'm for, I'm forgetting you. I'm trying I'm trying to, I'm dying to, um, and the way that it, it's spelt too was in T O, but 
I kind of feel that like it was I'm 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 dying to absolutely um and and I think that that hundred percent sums out that he knew he knew what was going on um and was very much intentional uh yeah it was it this was a hard listen on all sorts because this is not a music style that grabs me um this is an iconic artist so you know it's you know that there's so many layers to this you know that there's so many intentional things going on um it's not a quick press play and try and absorb a character or a story that he's telling you that there is a fucking universe in this record and i don't think i've even began to scratch the surface of it <laughs> i really don't um but because it's so because the style of music is is just a bit more alien to me it, it, it really felt that getting into it took a lot of effort it's a challenge but this is not this is not an insult to it this is not me saying this is rubbish this is me saying that this is not what you'd expect of David Barry, but again with David Barry, you you would expect the unexpected, yeah. Because he morphed, he changed his whole career is just doing whatever he wants to do and telling the story that he wants to do. So why would his final showpiece not be that? One thing I was going to say is that David Bowie himself was concerned about whether this album actually sounded any good, so he they pushed the bar in terms of like what was uh, uh, expected from a David Bowie record. And um, he was a bit insecure about whether it actually would kind of hold up. And yeah, I think that shows in just how hard yeah. some of the music is to actually listen to. Just, just, difficult, just difficult to consume. Yeah. Just really, really difficult to consume. Yeah. So, uh, yeah. And, and that's why I wanted to kind of give you, because it's a challenge. It, it really is something that's, you know, if you think David Bowie, you think kind of the the kind of glam rock. You think Star, you think, you think Starman, yeah, Ziggy Stardust, you know. and stuff like that. Yeah. And this is so far removed from any of that, and it is just like, it's the only Bowie album I've actually listened to, and the reason for that is uh, it's unavoidable that the the kind of uh, the conversation around his death was intriguing, and. We were in. Uh, I was actually on holiday in Brighton for a bit because I don't go abroad. Because, uh, yeah, I, I'd like to stay at home. Um, but we were in Brighton, and on the TV was a, a kind of a locally produced channel about the vinyl chart and stuff like that, and it would play um, the video of Lazarus. And I was just like, "This is not what I'd expect from a David Bowie song. Like, it's, it's kind of got these weird kind of jazzy notes to it, and." morbid curiosity got the better of me and i was like i need to hear what this is all about and so like to dive in <laughs> black star and uh I, I can't claim that i've figured all of the stuff i'm going to say out because i've done a lot of reading on this album <laughs> so uh it's not something that i have deduced on my own in every kind of <laughs> element of this i'm not that well um <laughs> scholared so you know the song black star almost has kind of three parts so you got the first part which is um, almost like this Eastern style of music. It's not a Western that, sensibility. That, in, that introduction. Yeah, in of, the village, sort of Villa of yeah. Ormond. Um, That's what I was saying. <laughs> Villa Ramen. Sorry. <laughs> a lot of food. Um, yeah, it, it, it's, it's all really kind of strange melodies. It's not your kind of do re mi. <laughs> um, and it kind of just 
hints at something occult. It's not quite clear yeah. from the first bit. I don't know about this villa in Orman um, or how the women stand and smile during the day of execution or whatever. But there's something, there's something a bit suspect. Yeah, it, it's not quite, you know, 100% kind of <laughs> clear. But it shifts gears around that four-minute mark, like you said, and it comes into something closer to your David Bowie kind of glam rock um, where he's singing. But again, it's still weird because the harmony is it's not the kind of usual like when you harmonize you do a third when you're singing and it's all kind of diatonic so that means like it's all within the scale that's being played or the key and here actually it's just one line and then it's the same line exactly the same notes but just like raised to i think a fifth like a so it's it just sounds off <laughs> it's not quite in key and it's just him going i'm a black star <laughs> And so it's, it's, it's almost that creeping of something is not right here. Um, and I like the lyrics because it, if, the way I read it is that Black Star is a kind of personification of death, uh, as how I feel. So especially in that middle section. So um, Black Star as a term can refer to a lot of things, one of which is Saturn, um, which in ancient yeah. Judaic belief, uh, and again, this is something that I read. I don't know this for sure, kids. Um, <laughs> I'm not that scholar. Uh, <laughs> it's a Saturn in astrology is associated with um, limitation and change and things like that. So that's occult reference number one. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I, 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 re I read that as well yeah. when I was looking into this. It's... And it was also, uh, it's comparable to what is a black hole in semi-classical gravity theory. So a black star in that sense. And also, it's um, the name of a type of cancer lesion. So, it, on three levels, it's kind of different there. And, and also, Black Star is the inversion of, you know, white and something here. So, I read it as, um, this is death talking to Bowie and saying that, I don't care if you're a star, a film star, a pop star, a gang star. It doesn't matter. I'm the Black Star. I take everything with me. It all goes the same way. And so, it's that realization of, I'm going to die. I'm going to lose yeah all of my earthly possessions and I have no power over it and it's that surrendering of like to the mystical forces of death that's how I read it anyway um, who knows <laughs> and then uh, you know there's a couple other cuts I, I really like Sue and A Season of Crime just because it's so dramatic and uh, I love the kind of jazziness of it and, and the fact that it's the kind of this constant breakbeat drum through it um, same with Tis, Tis a Pity She's a Whore uh, the drums in that really sell it for me and it's the bass and the drums that loop constantly really kind of gives it that kind of hip-hop feel, as you mentioned earlier. Yeah. Like to, uh, yeah. Kendrick Lamar's To Pimp a Butterfly, where there's the jazz influences. It's very similar to that in uh, a surface level, at least. Um, but the vocals here, um, <laughs> it, it seems like he's singing as a soldier uh, during the, war, uh, the First World War. And it's in a fairly soft, almost feminine tone. And it's about someone who fell in love and brought on the ire of a, a sex worker uh, who was able to punch him like a dude. So he's playing with gender and like stereotypes and stuff like that. And I see it as a fairly old-fashioned view on promiscuity, you know, um, from this perspective of the soldier, which then eventually moves to a kind of unhinged, raw, almost carefree shouting at the end. And that could just be David Bowie just losing himself in the music, but it could also be the character kind of losing control of these restrictions and um, this kind of uh, moral decency that was seen at the time. You know, there's a lot of blaming and when people said they, uh, <laughs> they got a STD, it was the fault of the sex worker, not the person who 
Not engaged in the act himself. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I, I think I, if, it, I, that's how I read it anyway. Um, and then there's a few kind of there's the trio of kind of decent things that I I think he very much knew what was happening here. So Lazarus, you know, is is a man in the kind of Bible, the, the kind of Bible, <laughs> the Bible, the kind of yeah, Bible. <laughs> the, the one of the many versions of the Bible. Um, he was a man who was restored to life by Jesus four days after his death. And that, that's the clearest indication, really, that Bowie knew that was going to happen, you know. And the song happen. itself re- makes references to kind of at least being grounded at, at first, but then losing himself. Um, Look up here, man, I'm in danger. I dropped my cell phone down below. I've got nothing left to lose. It's kind of that losing of earthly possessions and going, oh, shit, there's not much I can do about this. <laughs> this is happening. Um, Dollar Days, yeah, like you said, that line changes from a longing statement of intent to admission of how dire things were now that we know you know and then he got the ending which i think is perfect so i can't give everything away is this basically an examination of his mortality and it's again an acceptance but it's not a sorrowful goodbye to his fans or this grand farewell it's sad that he's going yeah. but he's also saying that it's it's almost like a wink it's like in death, I'm still going to keep some things for me uh, yeah. because I'm losing everything that I've ever had. I can't give everything away. Like, I've got to keep something under wraps for the mystery. And I just thought that was a really awesome kind of note to end on. So, as a, as a piece, it's because, great. Yeah, because the ending of... Because you can say, like, if this was an intentional goodbye, then this... Then the 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 final the final thing could be a big clo- you know like a an epic curtain closer like a thank you, this this that isn't a thank you this 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 is, I'm going, um, like, this is yeah like this is happening, um, and and that's what makes it more real. That's what makes it more real than having, I uh, and. and I can't. I can't compare this to the last Ozzy Osbourne album. So Oz, the last Ozzy Osbourne album was kind of written because Ozzy was very ill, mm. and the, this this could be the last thing. You know, Ozzy could have passed away during that album release, and this would have been the goodbye. And that felt like a rock goodbye, like a theatre goodbye, like a like a moment. This is more real. This this is from the heart, real of. The real reality of what was what was going on, rather than a showmanship, mm. and by writing that, he submits himself as the one of the greatest showmen and, and writers of of all time because it's real. Um, but told but told by Barry, yeah, you know he's it's it, it's 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 still through narrative, it's still through creation, um, but it's it's yeah, in a very un Barry way of of of. Of bowing out. Yeah. If, yeah. There is a, a, a great uh, channel on YouTube called The Needle Drop, which is a, uh, a guy, Anthony Fantano, who reviews music, and he's very critical. And he said of this album that this is David Bowie turning his death, his own death, into another form of his art. And I think that just sums it up perfectly. Yeah. So, completely. Yeah. Completely. And eternal, eternal artist, completely, for, for literally from. From the first time he got into his studio till the last time he could possibly ever get into his studio, mm. unless there is more stuff that he has kept hidden. Oh, there's uh, bound to be stuff that will be dug out by someone in a vault. 
Um, you only have to go onto like a streaming site, and you can't stream Black Star as the last album. There's like 15 other albums that have been added on afterwards because there's yeah. re-emission. Oh, no, sorry. There's um, re-releases and remasters and live performances and yada yada yada. So you know, I think it would have been nice if they just left that shit. Yeah. But hey, yeah. You know, yeah, that there's obviously an interest for it. Um, speaking of interest, though, how would you rate this on the uh, three-point scale that we've got there? Oh, do you know what this is? This is really tricky. Like, first of all, eliminate hate because I can't. I can't hate it because there is so much going on here. But I, I can't. I can't say I like it because I can't. I, 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 I just couldn't connect. Mm. And I know I'm not meant to connect. I know I'm not. I know it's not meant to be an easy listen. I know it's not meant to be the star man. This is the black star. Um, and yeah, you are a hero, Barry. But I think I have to. St- I have to stick with appreciate <laughs> because I le- I I, ha- I I I do generally get what's going on, but I can't take it on board. And so and for that reason, I can't say I like it, but I don't dislike it mm. because. It's pure art, and there's there's no escaping that. You can appreciate you know, like, it, basically, I, I, and that that's the perfect, perfect sum of it. Will I press play on this again? Probably not. <laughs> Probably not. Um, being completely honest, um, with but that's not a bad thing. And with that in mind, and do you have like a track that you would kind of put on a playlist, <laughs> or is it just too <laughs> I think much? It would be, I think I think it would be do- I think it would be dollar days. Mm. I think that that's the one that really spoke out to me, um, because it it just clicked, and also that telling line I think sums this up. What about yourself, Craig? Ah, oh, see, so like I said, this is the only Bowie album that I own that I've listened to. I have this on vinyl. Um, right. I, I bet this sounds quite incredible through vinyl. Actually, it, it did it. until I dropped it. <laughs> oh, <laughs> and it was just a, just the dumbest stupidest move that I did and it's kind of now at the start of Black Star there's a crackle so I'm gutted about that but a little little factoid for you apparently if you leave the vinyl out in sunlight the pure Black Star starts to kind of develop like specks of stars and stuff in it it's another part of the artistry involved in this it's ridiculous Um, for me I I love this album and uh, the reason I love it is because like jazz is a really difficult thing and it's I'm not saying that I'm a virtuoso or I understand everything about music, but when you play an instrument, there is a certain level of, uh, I guess, technique and theory that you pick up that then you apply subconsciously to everything. So, for example, any song on the radio, you're like, oh, this is kind of this chord and this is the riff here. With jazz, I genuinely have no fucking idea what's going on. And it's, it's so liberating to kind of put something on and just not be able to pick it apart. Um, I'm starting to learn the basics, but I'm still nowhere near uh, how jazz itself works. So I love that. And that paired with these kind of drum beats and loops um, and the way that the bass kind of slots in just kind of makes it feel really kind of special. Like it's kind of this fusion jazz thing. I don't even know how to describe it. And that's why I love it so much. Um, cool. and, and also, as you said, like the... the the, the sheer amount of layers on this the fact that it's it's so easy to just go you know you could have said oh I'm dying <laughs> or yeah. this isn't fair 
but there's still the fact that there's an archery about it and you know I'm not a David Bowie fan I don't think everything he did is great I think that he was a very human man and made a lot of mistakes so when I'm saying to you this is a really interesting listen it's coming from a place of just appreciation for the craft and also just the sheer weirdness of it because like I said there's so many elements that just don't sound like anything and it could be because it's a reflection of his, of his state of health like maybe singing harmonies was a bit beyond his physical capability what, what, he, what he could do yeah, yeah. maybe yeah. that's why there's a lot of kind of these fifth artificial harmonies maybe that's why you know there's no kind of vibrato uh, apart from on dollar days um but i think that adds to the charm of it you know he's he got this very frail um very aware artist who is cataloging this thing that he you know everyone faces it and i think to face it with such um uh you know such an appreciation for what it is and to try and turn it into something that could be considered a work of art i think is very brave if i was being told that i was going to die i don't think i'd have the patience to make an album i'd be wanting to do things that i'd never done but then i'm not david bowie and i don't mean by that that you know he's such an artist that he would have focused on that you know he's done a lot in his life so maybe he just maybe he's done everything he he needed to do he he could easily have just not done this passed away and no one would have said, oh, couldn't we have had, like, one last album? No one, no one would have said that. No one would have batted an eyelid. Exactly. He, he gave, he gave this. And to put it in context, like, David Bowie released an album before this called The Next Day. And I heard it, and I was so uninterested, because I was like, oh, here's an aging rock star with another set of slow-paced ballads. Yeah. Great. So when I heard this, I was like, okay, this is a bit of a shame, but I, well, I'm not going to really essentially go out and get this because I don't want to hear these ballads. And I started to hear what was actually on this record. And I was like, what the fuck is he doing? Why? This is so uncommercial. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and but a, he didn't need it. He didn't need this to sell. But that's he it. He didn't need this. He didn't need and this. And that's exactly the point. If you're not interested in selling it, if you're just doing it as a statement, like an artistic intent of going, I want to do this, so I'm yeah. going to do it. That's something I, I 100% respect, man. Um, and yeah, I, I think it's just, it's a really fascinating listen and it's not an easy listen at all, but there are some great moments in here. Um, so yeah, yeah, I really love it. Yeah. Pull a, pull a song for a, for a playlist. If, if, you, if you got one that you would. Play. Oh yeah. It would be, tis a pity she was a <laughs> because it's just this constant fast kind of drum beat that loops and there's the element of jazz the timing is like there's a piano which you would expect it to fall on one beat and that beat shifts every time and it speeds up like it's a carousel out of control and over the top of that you've got Bowie doing this kind of really soft delivery it would be easy to kind of do a fast paced kind of delivery but it's it's not and it's just so otherworldly it's yeah I really love that track awesome well there we go two very strange records for very different reasons uh, on this podcast and so it it brings us to the the final part of the podcast uh for episode 11 where we pick each other a record to listen to it's the bit that we we really love doing uh <laughs> so craig 
Have you got one ready for me, or should I give you mine? If you give, uh, whilst you're racking your if brain. you give me yours, because I had one, um, but then I listened to a record which made me think that I don't want to listen to that anymore. <laughs> so okay, we'll, but we'll touch on that on our special bonus episode, which will come yes, shortly. Which will be coming shortly. Yeah. Uh, so I'm going to give you. So we've gone. You know, we've done very two very very interesting albums, as we said, for very very different reasons uh, on this record. So, I'm going to now give you something that's not necessarily as interesting as these two. So, I'm going to give you. I I, I, I keep saying I'm going to go to the '80s for you, Craig, but I, I kind of feel that I can't because Twisted Sister was is probably still in your brain somewhere <laughs> from Christmas. So, I'm going to give you a band which are very much influenced by uh by the 80s oh. uh, and by hairspray oh. and spandex oh God. Uh, but from the modern generation oh. so i am going to give you uh the self-titled debut album by a band called reckless love oh and i am <laughs> very excited to see oh. what you have got in your in uh and what you make of so the, reckless the love. debut album by reckless love self-titled is it it's called Reckless Love okay. by Reckless Love. Oh, yes, great. <laughs> Yay, so, hair metal, my favourite. En- enjoy that, uh, and I promise you, I was going to, I had to give you something, uh, but I kind of feel that this is, that get this one in now, um, and then it will steer me <laughs> in the 80s for, for quite a bit. <laughs> oh, man. See, I've got to choose something now, like I said. I, I did have something in mind which was very cool, and... Uh, and then I wouldn't give you that. <laughs> well, it was more the the reason for it is like it was an interesting one, and again, it was not really metal, but I thought it might be interesting. But like I said, after listening to a certain album, I don't feel like I want to do that. I want to just watch everything burn, and so I'm going to give you a melodic death metal classic, and that is at the gates. Slaughter oh. of the Soul. Okay, there we go. We're in on some out the gate. So uh, there we go. So in uh, the uh, the next uh, episode, we will be discussing Reckless Love and At the Gate, but not in the next episode because coming very soon for you podcast lovers out there is a bonus episode, uh, which was has has its origins from a. Uh, an April Fool's Day post made by uh, my co-host and co-dude, Craig. <laughs> uh, but we will talk all about that in the next bonus episode. So please tune in for the bonus episode. Uh, if you haven't seen said Facebook post, I'm not going to tell you about it now because that's for the next episode. Um, you're not going to want to miss it. Oh, great. Let's just say that. Uh, so thank you for listening. Craig, thank you for being on the other end of my microphone and... and uh, camera as always any day man um well i, I say <laughs> any day not any day i'm, I'm busy <laughs> <laughs> not any day <laughs> you know i shut up by now folks um so yeah there we go thank you very much and uh we'll see you on the next one au revoir <laughs> <laughs>